You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. Today I have a message to share with you and I've titled The Recipe, The Recipe if you are taking notes. So what keeps you moving? What keeps you moving? What energizes you? What sustains your creativity? What is the element that gives you hope for a better future? When you look at where you are and you look at where you want to be, what is the thing that gives you the assurance, the confidence that you're going to get there to keep moving, to keep pressing, to keep, keep going through whatever obstacle and situation you're going through? What causes you to overcome? We all have things to overcome. Is it money in the bank? Is it a good relationship at home? Is it a good rapport at the office with your supervisor or your boss? Today I want to give you a recipe. A recipe that will help you overcome obstacles that will help you Overcome any barrier that you might be facing. You know, if you're spiritually fatigued in your heart, this recipe will give you energy. If you're stuck somewhere in your life, this recipe can show you the way. You know, if you have, if you have questions, this recipe can help you get answers. You might be wondering, it's a magical recipe, J.D., it's not my recipe. It's been around for a while. It's, uh, it's a recipe that's been available to us, and I'm excited to share with you. I don't know if we have any cooks or bakers or people who like to uh, uh, make things here in the kitchen. Um, but if you are a cook, if you are talented in that area, uh, you might not know this, but your skill is in high demand in America today. This year... In last summer, more Americans went out to eat and spent money on restaurants than any other year on record. And that accounts for inflation and population growth. It is a $61 billion a year industry and it is growing. And that tells me two things about the restaurant and people going out to eat. First is that we want good food and we appreciate a good recipe. We all enjoy good food and a good recipe. The second thing that this tells me is that we want to enjoy the recipe without the process of cooking it. We look at our pantry, look at our fridge, and we say, let's go out to eat. <laughs> let's, let's order in. And those, both things are true because there's something awesome about a recipe the idea of getting, uh, taking ingredients that by themselves are not that attractive, ingredients that by themselves are not that palatable, they are not that uh, uh, appealing or, pl or pleasing to the eye, and putting them together in an order, in a certain way that in the end produces something amazing, something delicious. That's attractive. That's awesome. So you just got some flour and some, and some eggs and some, and some water and some sugar and some, and some cinnamon. And, and now you have, voila, you have pancakes. You have, you have breakfast. 
But there's something about a recipe that's dreading. And it's the process of getting those things, putting them in bowls, slicing, dicing, peeling, washing. Slicing, dicing, peeling, washing. Putting things in bowls and then washing the bowls and putting it in the oven. That, that's not attractive. For me, especially the washing part. It's not very attractive. See, I think the same trend and the same mode of thinking can affect our spiritual lives. I think we can, we can face our spirituality, how we relate to God, how we relate to the scriptures, even how we relate to church in the very same way. You know, you can, you can uh, if you're honest here, you can take inventory of your life and how you're relating to God. And, and, and for some of you, and I don't mean to step on any toes, but it's, it's, it's very much like going to a restaurant. You know, you, you, you go in and you look at the menu and you shout out your order. Hey, God, I'm going to have this if you don't mind. And then you tip him at the end. Right? Right? <laughs> it's not the same as, as preparing something in your own kitchen. But there is, you know... There's something about that process, and I'm not saying that, that, you know, coming to church or going to a connect group or getting together with people or listening to a podcast or things like that are bad. They're, they're not bad for you. But there's something about the process of what God has for your life that looks different from the outside than what it looks like when you engage it. Because if you engage your relationship with God like you do food at a restaurant, and you never realize what goes on back in the kitchen, you can get a misconception about what our relationship with God, what growing spiritually actually looks like. Because you come to church and you look at other people, and they're here praising and singing, you know. And then they tell you about their story. And when they tell you about the story, when you see what's been happening in their lives, it's already the finished project, pro- product. They're showing you the plate ready. They're showing you the final product. You know, they look at you and say, look at what God did for me. Look at what God gave me. He gave me pancakes. (laughs) These were made by our Connect team. The Donnellys actually put this together. Can we clap for them? Yeah, they they made it for our team. Such Such a good family. But when you come to God... When you come and you pray and you say, God, I I want exactly what that guy had or that that woman had. I want exactly what my friend just had. I I want you to do something similar in my life. God comes to you and, and he hands you ingredients. God comes to you and he says, hey, listen, I'm going to get you some. You want a blessing? Here it is. You know? This is a, a very good pancake mix if you need. It's not sponsored by Trader Joe's, but I'm just one, you know. You're praying, you're worshiping, and you're saying, God, I want exactly that pretty, wonderful, final blessing. And God says, all right, son, all right, daughter, I got you. Here it is. Go ahead. Enjoy it. And you're like, are you nuts? <laughs> it's a bad joke. I'm sorry. 
Those are almonds. <laughs> you see the final product in other people's lives. And you're hoping to get there without the process. And you get discouraged. Because you think that they simply walked into it. And today I want to tell you something. We all go through the process. You can't achieve what God is calling you to do without going through the process. And I want to give you a recipe this morning. A recipe that will bless you. A recipe that will, will help you go through any obstacle or anything that you might be facing. About 700 B.C., there was a king named Ahaz, and he became the king of Judah. And early in his tenure as king, prophet Isaiah came to him with the word of God. So this is what he had heard. He had heard that the Syrians were plotting with the Israelites to come down, plunder them, take the kingdom from him, and install somebody else as king. So they had this plan, and he heard about it. And when he heard about it, his heart just dropped. He was terrified. He was deeply afraid. See, this was a season when the kingdom of Israel was split. Israel was in the north. Judah was in the south. And they had different kings. But still, they were all Israelites. They were all children of Abraham. And for him to have the people of Israel come down to take him down, it just terrified him. Along with the enemy, with the Syrians. So God used prophet Isaiah to deliver a message. And this is the message. Found in Isaiah chapter 7 verses 4 through 9. And, and, and say to him. This is God telling Isaiah. Be careful. Be quiet. Do not fear. And do not let your heart be faint. Because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands. At the fierce anger of reason and Syria and the son of Remaliah. Because Syria with Ephraim and the son of Remaliah has devised evil against you, saying, Let us go up against Judah and terrify it, and let us conquer for ourselves, and set up the son of Tabil as king in the midst of it. Thus says the Lord God, It shall not stand, and it shall not come to pass, for the head of, the, of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is risen, and the and within 65 years, Ephraim will be shattered from being a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria. And the head of Samaria is the son of Remaliah. And this is how God encourages them. If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. Now, you might not be a king fighting against nations here this morning. But maybe you're a mother. Maybe you're a father, maybe you're a husband, a wife, maybe you are a sales associate, a student, a boss, a manager. Maybe you're unemployed, hoping for a blessing. You might have competitors. You most certainly have relatives. You may not be in a military conflict, but you might be in some kind of conflict. Maybe you're not like Ahaz, trying to fight the enemies. Uh, in another nation, but you have somebody or some situation that you're fighting against. And here's the piece where you come together with Ahaz. You know you cannot win it on your own. You know you can't come against this enemy and win. I don't know if you've ever been attacked to somebody by, by somebody close to you. If you've ever been in a situation where maybe a family member, a sister, an uncle... 
just, it was just a bad, bad situation. And people who were supposed to love you, to support you, came against you. This is what's happening to Ahaz. He's in the middle of it. And God gives Ahaz a message through Isaiah. And I believe that he's giving you a message here today. God said to Isaiah, Listen, your enemy is not going to succeed. They're not that mighty. They're just smoldering stumps. Basically, they're on their last leg. And I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. In less than 65 years, they'll be done. But guess what? You need to be firm in faith. Even though they will not succeed, if you're not firm in faith, you are not firm at all. You need faith. And I told you I was going to give you a recipe today. A recipe has a list of ingredients. And the first ingredient in this recipe will never change. Will always be the same. The second ingredient is of the same kind and could be different things. But the first ingredient is always the same. And here it is. The first ingredient that you need in your life is faith. Faith is the first and the main ingredient. Now, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know your story. I don't know what you're carrying in your mind. I don't know what your hopes and dreams are. I don't know what your regrets are. But I know this. Anytime you are looking forward, anytime your eyes are on the future, anytime you're hoping to accomplish something or go beyond your present circumstance, you need faith. You need faith to see the future. You need, you need faith to go beyond your present circumstance. Now let me clarify what faith is this morning because, before I tell you why you need faith. Faith is not a feeling. Faith is a conviction. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. You don't feel faith. You have faith. Faith is a conviction. Number two, faith is not blind. There's no such thing as blind faith. Because faith is actually, faith is actually a way to see forward. Scripture says this in uh, 2 Corinthians 5.7, For we walk by faith, not by sight. That means that faith keeps you moving even though your natural eyes don't see a future. Even though your natural eyes cannot see a way forward. Faith keeps you moving when circumstances try to paralyze you. When you feel surrounded by things and you feel like you can't move on, faith is how you see a way forward beyond the natural. Third, faith is not a characteristic of the weak, but of the strong. It's not the weak that need faith. It is the strong that walk in faith. Like we read before, Scripture says that if you don't have faith, if you're not firm in faith, you're not firm at all. Now, you may be here this morning because somebody invited you and they said, hey, there's this really cool place with some hopping and popping music and an encouraging message. You should come. And you say, well, J.D., I'm not really a person of faith. I'm not really a faith person. I didn't grow up in faith. I didn't grow up with faith. I'm, I'm not a faith guy, a faith girl. I'm not, I'm not a faith person. And I'm going to prove you wrong this morning because you are already living by faith, whether you realize it or not. We all live by faith. We have to live by faith. Otherwise, our entire system, cognitive system, will collapse. You, can't, you wouldn't get out of bed if you weren't living by faith. 
This is why faith is so important. Just think about it beyond the spiritual concept. Okay? Think, think about beyond the spiritual context here. Everything that is stable in your life requires a measure of faith. Everything that works and functions requires a measure of faith. If you go to school in the morning, you wake up to go to school. You do so because you believe, you have faith that first the school will be open, that people will be there, that your professor will be there, the class will be in session, the building will be there. You don't know. You don't know that people will be there, but you, you, in faith, you get in your car and you go. Same thing if you go to, when you go to work every day. If you go to work every day, you do so in faith. You have, you have faith that they will, first that they will, they will want you there. You have faith that the customers, the clients will come. You have faith that the phone will ring. You have faith that your clients and your colleagues will be present. You have faith that business will work that day. If you go to, the, to New York City every day, if you're a commuter, and you go to New York City, you enter that train, Metro North, in faith. Most days. In faith that it'll get you to New York City. You might not have faith that you will find a seat. But you have faith that it'll get you to New York City. When you go to the grocery store because you need milk or eggs. Why do you go to the grocery store? Because you have faith that they will have milk and eggs there. You don't know. You're not sure of it. There's no way to be certain of it that from the time you leave your house to the time you get to the grocery store, that milk will be there. But you have faith. Everything you set out to do that's not in the present, everything you set out to do every single day is not absolutely guaranteed. We move because of faith. We take steps of faith each day. So your confidence is rooted in faith. Your peace is rooted in faith. Your strength is rooted in faith. The same is true on the opposite. Everything in your life that produces anxiety requires a measure of doubt. Every point of anxiety in your life is connected to some kind of doubt. Imagine, what if you doubted that your car was going to turn on every single morning? How would you feel? And why don't you? What if you doubted that the grocery store would have the items that you need every single time you go to it? How would you feel? And why don't you? What if you doubted that the train would take you to NYC and you got in the train and you had no idea where it was going to take you? How would you feel? And if you don't, why don't you? You see what I'm saying? If you doubt every single thing that to you is normal, that you have confidence in. Just, I'm just talking about this. I'm, I'm uh, getting anxious myself here. <laughs> Imagine if everything you're sure of, you weren't sure of. You would live anxious. See, the same thing, the same principle is true for matters of greater significance. If you don't have faith, you cannot operate in strength. Faith is necessary. And I want to encourage you today. To overcome your anxieties, to overcome your disappointments, to overcome your regrets through faith. And maybe you're here this morning, you've been carrying some doubt. You've been carrying some, some disappointment and you've been living anxious because, you know, maybe uh, uh, you have tried faith in the past. 
And now you're you're holding back. You don't want to apply your faith to certain things. Again, this is why you might be facing disappointment and anxiety. And maybe you, you don't have confidence in living by faith. It's not because faith was the wrong way to go about it. It's because you applied your faith on fallible things. You put your faith in things that disappointed you. You put your faith in people that disappointed you. You put your faith in circumstances that disappointed you. So if this is you, you know, if you're, if you're in a situation where you're not engaging faith because things failed you, you're not engaging faith because you're living in doubt, the first thing you need to get out of that place is not a new boyfriend. Or a new girlfriend. Or a new car. Or more money. Or a new house. Or a pint of ice cream. Maybe. That might help. That might help. Whatever thing failed in your life, it probably failed because faith, the faith that you, that you, that you placed on that thing, was broken. It was somehow betrayed so the first thing you need is to restore that faith is to build up that uh, build that that faith back up the first thing you need the number one thing you need is faith but not just faith in anything you need faith in God this is what Jesus said Mark chapter 11 verses 22 through 25 and Jesus Jesus answered them he was talking to his disciples he said this have faith in God truly I say to you whoever says to this mountain Be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is true and will come to pass. It will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive your trespasses. Now, this is why I think Jesus attached faith to forgiveness. You know, because in order for you to move ahead, faith is about the future, right? It's about the things we hope for. In order for you to move ahead, you have to disconnect from the past. You have to let go of the past. And for most, most times, for, for most of us, any hang-ups we might have to our past, any connection we might have to our past has to do with people who disappointed us, situations who disappointed us, things that broke our hearts. Why? Because of misplaced faith. Maybe a relationship went sour. Maybe a business went under. Maybe something you went through didn't work out. And now you're broken on the inside. You're hurt. You're in pain. And you can't believe that that area of your life can succeed again. What Jesus is saying is forgive. Let go. Forgive. So that you can have faith again. So that you can build your faith back up again. And see the light in that area of your life again. You need to have faith in God. Not just in anything. If you take your faith off of those things. Maybe your faith is still attached to things that didn't work. And you're still disappointed. And every time you think about it, it pains you. Here's what you can do this morning. You can take that faith, redirect it to God. And you can forgive and let go. And this alone, this alone will change your life. 
This principle right here. Here's something you need to think about too, okay? Maybe it's not somebody else that you need to forgive. Maybe you placed your faith in yourself and you disappointed yourself and you let yourself down. And you're here this morning wondering, forgive yourself. You got to forgive yourself as well so that you can build your faith back up. Faith in God is a way past your hurts, past your anxieties. And that's why we need faith. So really quickly, how do we build our faith? I have one scripture for you, and this is something that you can memorize. Put it on your fridge. Romans 10, 17. If you're a church person, you've heard this multiple times. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. That's how you build your faith. You put God's word in you and allow God's word to replace the broken record that's putting you down in your heart. Whatever it is, the voices that come, the negative voices that come to you and, and, and try to press you down, replace those with the words of Christ. Next ingredient. Faith requires another ingredient. See, faith by itself will only get you so far. Faith by itself will get you to a point where, you know, you can't go for, forward. So you need another ingredient. And the second ingredient, that's why I said is of the same kind, but it could change. It could be different things. The second ingredient is this. It's action. All right? Faith needs motion. To stay with our analogy here, I don't know if you've ever cooked something that was so delicious that you really enjoy, but you did not repeat the process because the process was too laborious. It was delicious. It was awesome. It was great. But you didn't do it again because just preparing was a pain. We used to own a juicer. We used to. It's delicious. It's amazing. It's going to just revitalize your body in such a way. Man, have you ever cleaned one of those things? You could put whole apples in there. Yeah. And half of it will be in everywhere. We juiced for probably three weeks. And then we got a Nutribullet. Just, you know. The difference is this. The juicer holds the pulp. In the, in the machine. And you have to wash it off every time. The Nutribullet. Again, not sponsored. We already have Trader Joe's here. You know, I'm not. <laughs> the Nutribullet just gets everything in there. And you just, you know, you just everything goes inside you. So, you know, it's, it's much easier as far as uh, um, cleaning up the process. I know we have some excellent cooks in the room. And, uh, uh We've had parties and things, and I've tasted some of the amazing things that, that people in this room here uh, put together. And it never fails. Most times when I ask, how did you make this? This is so amazing. How did you make this? It goes something like this. Oh, you want to make it yourself? It's easy. It's nothing. All right, let me tell you. This is what you do. Okay? You just thaw this, and then you slice that, and then you peel this, and then you put it all together. Okay, and then, and then you let it rest. And then you fry that other thing, and you cook that other thing, and then you put it in the oven for just four hours. 
And then after that's done, you put it all together in one thing, and then you freeze it for five hours. It's nothing. By the end of it, I'm like taking smaller bites. Because I'm already exhausted just from the process. You know, no wonder we're going out to eat. No wonder we're going to restaurants. No wonder America wants to go out. We don't want to cook anymore. We want everything sliced and diced. We don't want to go through the recipe. We want somebody else to go through the process. Or we want easier recipes. Confession. I make pancakes for our family every Saturday morning. And this only needs water and one egg. It's awesome. And you can feel like you're really cooking. We have a meal delivery services companies everywhere that will send you stuff that's already washed, diced, cleaned. All you need to do is put together and you really feel like a cook, like a chef. You know, I think that, like I said before, I think a similar thing can happen to our spirituality. See, we want, we want, we want the thing, but we want, we want to bypass the product. We want it packaged and ready. Give me, give me the podcast. You know, give me the, the email devotionals. Give me the tweet with two, 280 characters. Give me, give me the, the, the thing ready. Already digested, already. And you know what? Those things are not bad, like I said. They're not bad. If you listen to podcasts and you read devotionals, keep doing it. If you, if you follow people on Twitter that have good things to say, that list is shrinking. <laughs> keep doing it. All right? Keep feeding yourself with those good Things, But there will come a point in your spiritual journey where you will have to cook for yourself. There will come on your spiritual journey where you will have to go through the process. In other words, you'll have to bend the knee. You'll have to pray on your knees. You'll have to go read the scripture for yourself and try to figure out what God is trying to speak to you. You'll have to go to God yourself and receive from Him direction, receive from Him knowledge, receive from Him faith for your life because He has a recipe for you. You have a purpose to fulfill, and that is the action element. We all need faith, but the steps that you will need to take in that faith are not the same as the person sitting next to you. So you might look at their recipe and say, whoa, that's amazing. Let me try that. And it will not work the same way for you. I'm not saying that we have all different paths here. What I'm saying is that God has a plan for your life that is for you. And we all come together with the same values, the same kind of life of Christ in you. But you, you have to go to God at some point in your journey if you're going to go past a certain place. As a pastor, it is my pleasure to come here every Sunday and sow seeds in your heart. When Alini shares a message, she's, show, she's sowing seeds in your heart. When somebody else comes here and has something good to say, they're sowing seeds in your heart. When, our, when a worship team is here, they're showing, sowing seeds in your heart. We're watering those seeds. But only God can give the growth that you need. you got to go to Him. God has your recipe. That's the thing about following Jesus. You can't be a bystander. See, this is not a parade. This is a journey. You can't sit back and look and enjoy and be part of it. Following implies movement. It involves application. It's not just knowledge. It's knowledge and action. There's got to be action behind it. In other words, 
You can't have a restaurant mindset where you come to God, order from the menu, and hope that it'll work just that. No, you got to go through the process of transformation and do the things that God calls you to do. And sometimes they're not going to be easy. It's going to get messy. You're going to get your hands dirty. And through the process, there will be moments that will not be pleasurable. But God is taking you through a journey. He's taking you on a journey. You got to get the work in. And I know that this message might be getting you out of your comfort zone a little bit. But it's what you need. Sometimes you got to be pushed out of your comfort zone. A little bit. You know why? God did not call you to sit down. He did not call you to stop. He called you to move. He called you to act. He called you to motion. He called you to talk the talk and walk the walk. And you know, in your heart of hearts, you know that this is a better and superior way of living. Because for some of you, you have experienced this frustration of faith without action. You have seen it. And for some of you, it might be why you left the church. It might be why you didn't feel like you needed God in your life. See, James says this in James chapter 2, verse 26. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so faith apart from works is dead. You know, maybe you saw people talking the talk and not walking the walk. Or maybe you yourself, you heard about faith, you heard about spiritual life, you heard about uh, things uh, of the spiritual matter, and it didn't entice you. Because there was no element that compelled you to act, to activate, to move in faith. You know, and you want to believe in God. You even want a spiritual awakening, but it hasn't happened for you. And I'm telling you, it probably hasn't happened because you haven't coupled faith with action. There's got to be action in your faith story. Here's what you will find. Every story of faith involves an act of faith. Every story of faith that you hear about, that you see, that you witness, involves an act of faith. There's always an action point. There's always a step. It's all around us. It's in Scripture, and it's all around you. If you were to ask the person sitting next to you, tell me about your faith journey. They wouldn't tell you about the last book they read. They, read. they would probably tell you about the last thing they did. What God caused them to do. You know, and this is, this is, like I said, it's not a new recipe. Faith and action is not a new recipe. It has been around for thousands and thousands of years. Faith and action is what gets you to walk into your hope, to, to charter your life toward your dream and your destiny. Scripture tells us in uh, Hebrews 11, there's a whole long list there where it goes through every Father of faith, where that's how it, it, it is portrayed. You know, it says that Abel offered, Enoch was taken, Noah built, Abraham obeyed, 
Sarah conceived, Isaac blessed, Jacob worshipped, Joseph prophesied, Moses delivered, Rahab welcomed. By faith, the people walked toward the Red Sea before the Red Sea opened. By faith, the people marched around the walls of Jericho before the, the walls came down. And by faith, you can keep walking toward uh, the, the purpose of God for your life. And you will see things come true in your life. So don't stop. Keep moving. Activate your faith. There are new horizons, new victories, new things to conquer. Don't settle. Keep moving. Keep engaging. You know, some of you know that I wasn't born in this country and I moved to this country in my 20s. I was 21 years old, 20 years old when we moved, just shy of 21. And I didn't speak the English language, had no command of it. And I had to have faith just to carry a conversation. I remember in the beginning, I picked up a book. I'm like, I'm going to read this book. It was called In the Grip of Grace by Max Locato. And I had the book, a Merriam-Webster's Dictionary. There's no apps back then. And a notepad. And I would go through the book and write down every word that I didn't know. It was dozens of words per page. And I would go in the dictionary and read the word, and try to enunciate it, and memorize each meaning. It would take me like 30 minutes to go through three, four pages in the book. And I did it again, and again, and again, not knowing where God was going to take that. I had no idea I'd be here. I had no idea God would use that for this purpose. I had shared messages before. I had preached before. I used to be a youth pastor in my dad's church. But I didn't know that after we moved to the U.S. that God was going to reignite that again. I just had a sense that I needed to do that. I had a sense that the English language, it was essential for my life and communication and God's purpose for us here. So I had to engage it in faith. Later, I had to have faith to teach people. Because in our job at the church, one of my roles was to teach um, junior hires. Sunday school. And if you keep, can keep the attention of junior hires, you're good. <laughs> so I remember trying to formulate messages in the English language, right? And he went beyond that, right? Uh -uh. By faith, we did all that. Today, I write about 15 pages of notes for each message on Sunday. So we've come a long way. I'm not bragging on myself. I'm just saying that when you act in faith... God will come um, and, 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 and move you toward his purpose. You know, it was by faith that we moved from Houston to Stanford. It was by faith that we gathered in our living room up, up on a 150 Hope Street. It was by faith that we signed our, our permit with the city of Stanford to meet in this place. Before we ever met any of you guys, we knew that God had a purpose for us to come together in this location. It was by faith that we did that. It's by faith that our team, our amazing team, comes here every Sunday and designs this whole environment so that you can meet God and have an experience with God. It's by faith that we do that. It's far from perfect. But more importantly, it's far from finished. 
Because by faith we believe in what God has for us in the future. We know that this is only the beginning. By faith we see this as being a movement in our town, in our state, and beyond. By faith we know that many will come to the knowledge of God. And we'll see people who are unchurched, far from God. Who are hurt, broken, defeated, living life hopeless. And they will find hope in Christ. They will find hope in a life with God. They will find restoration for their soul. We, By faith we see families coming together. By faith we see children. Children rising up beyond their family's curse. By faith we see people blessed. And overcoming their difficulties. By faith. We see it. And so by faith we act. By faith we take steps. By faith we see you conquering every difficulty. In faith. Taking the action. That is needed. If you apply these two ingredients in your life every single day. Not only have faith in God. Which is very important. But activate that faith. Like Jesus said. By praying. By forgiving. By moving toward your purpose. Moving toward your dream. Moving toward your goal. Even though you might not see immediately. But if you take that step. And you say, God, I'm doing it because you have given me the confidence. I'm moving toward this, this dream, this hope. Because I have a word from you. Because you have said go. If you do it, you will see things become the change in your life. A transformation in your life. Like never before. Did you receive it this morning? Amen.